Hi, everyone. This is Grace is on the case. I'm Grace Lynn Keller, and today I'm bringing you part two of my two-parter on the disappearance of Asia Degree. And I apologize for being out of your feeds for a couple weeks, but I had some life stuff happening and I am back now. So let's quickly recap. Last time we went over the official timeline of Asia's disappearance and the things we know for sure happened. And in this episode, I'm going to be diving into the lingering questions, inconsistencies, and theories as to what truly happened to Asia on February 14th, 2000. So let's dive in. All right, so I'm picking up right where we left off. So if you haven't listened yet to part one or want a refresher, go back and do so because none of this will make sense otherwise. So in part one, I ran through the official timeline of the events leading up to and shortly after Asia went missing. And this is the one that the FBI and other investigative bodies have stuck to throughout the investigation. But I want to start today by highlighting some inconsistencies within those official reports that I noticed in various source materials. Between statements family members themselves have made to the media that stray from this timeline, to reports from different news outlets that differ from each other, there are a few areas that left me with questions that I felt were important to mention here. So the official timeline begins on Friday, February 11th, when Aisha and her older brother O'Brien had the day off of school. They spent this day with their aunt, grandma, and cousins who live across the street because both of their parents were working. They went to a basketball practice for their respective school teams in the afternoon, and then their mother, Akila, picked them up from practice and took them home. Everything that happens in this day in the official timeline checks out, and I couldn't find really any inconsistencies reported. So on Saturday, February 12th, the kids both had away games at neighboring middle schools, and their mom and dad both attended. Aisha fouled out during her game and was upset afterwards because she felt like her team's loss was her fault due to this error. And then that evening when they got home, Aisha went back over to the aunt's house across the street for a sleepover with multiple cousins and family members. Now, there's not a ton of information on this sleepover, besides that it was all younger family members who spent the night, cousins, siblings, etc. And the event itself checks out this did happen, but there's so few statements made on the record about exactly what happened that night while all these girls were together, beyond Aisha's cousin saying she was acting, quote, normal, unquote, after the fact when police began looking for reasons why Aisha would have left her home. So remember this sleepover because I do want to circle back to it. And also remember Asia fouling out of her game. I want to circle back to that as well because a lot of people bring it up in their theories as to why Asia disappeared. On Sunday, February 13th, everyone at the sleepover got up for church where the degrees met the rest of the family. After the service, the entire group went back to the aunt's house for lunch before the degrees headed home and Asia's father, Harold, left for work. It was reported that Aisha received a bag of candy on Sunday from her grandmother that mostly contained cinnamon discs, which were her favorite. The official timeline has this event in there, but there are some conflicting reports saying that her father actually gave her this candy from which the wrappers found in the Turner's shed were eventually matched. Now, I'm sure y'all are sitting here like, who cares who gave her the candy, right? And I thought the same thing when I first began looking into this case. I felt regardless of who gave it to her, 
The important part was that we knew that they were in her possession when she went missing. Otherwise, the rappers in the Turner shed wouldn't have been the smoking gun everyone made them out to be. But the reason who gave them to her is important is because of when they were given to her. In the official timeline, Harold leaves family lunch to go to his shift at work, which should start around 2 p.m. I wasn't able to find an official start time reported anywhere, but we know he worked second shift, which typically begins mid-afternoon in any normal factory or shift work setting. But there are other reports that say he actually didn't go to work and was home the entire time, and that he ran out that evening to get the kids some Valentine's Day candy, returning around midnight from the trip to the store rather than his work shift. Now, this in my mind is a huge discrepancy I found, and there's almost no info out there that gives me the ability to corroborate this one way or another. But the issue arises, was Harold home the entire evening? It may have nothing to do with Aisha's disappearance, and regardless of if he was home, he definitely was home when she left the house. But it makes the timeline more convoluted. If he wasn't at work, where was he and what was he doing that evening? And why is it so hard to corroborate where he was? It sticks out to me for sure. But regardless of if Aisha's dad was at work or not, the power was knocked out around 9 p.m., which is corroborated by official reports, and the kids went to bed shortly after, according to Akilah. And this was the last time that she saw Aisha. Harold, after returning from either work or the store, again, we're not sure, said he peeked on the kids after the power came back on again around 12.30 in the morning, and then once more around 2.30 a.m. before he went to bed for the night. The last hint as to Aisha being in the home is O'Brien hearing movement coming from her bed sometime after Harold checked on them at 2.30, but before Aisha was spotted by Jeff Roop, the truck driver, walking along the highway between 3.45 and 4 a.m. But again, this could have been a number of things, whether it was Aisha getting out of bed to leave the home or her just getting up to use the bathroom or rolling around in her sleep. That leaves just an hour and a half at most for Aisha to get from her home to the side of the highway to be seen by Jeff Roop, a 1.3-mile journey in the rain and dark. That's not a lot of time, especially for a nine-year-old child. An average adult is estimated to be able to walk one mile in about 20 minutes, and that is on flat terrain and at a consistent speed, as in there isn't an even ground to cross or choices to make as to which direction to walk next. Now, let's just say Aisha could walk a mile in 20 minutes. That would mean she could walk 1.3 miles in 26 minutes. If that's the case, the latest Aisha could have left her home would have been 3.19 a.m., putting her on the highway by 3.45 for Roop to see her between then and 4 a.m. But because of the other factors, the dark, the rain, the ground she would have been covering, the fact that she's not an adult, the assumption can be made that it took her longer than 26 minutes to complete this walk, meaning Aisha must have left her home pretty shortly after her father last checked in on the kids at 2.30. The timing just doesn't work out otherwise. Now, it's pretty safe to assume that after Aisha was spooked by Roop and took off into the tree line along the highway, she ended up at the shed on the Turner property, where her belongings were found. Despite it being a difficult trek, the property backs up to where Roop saw her run into the tree line, and the shed has an external light, which may have been a beacon for her through the rain and dark. 
The last confirmed sighting of Asia came from Roy Blanton, a second truck driver who said he and his son saw her walking along the same stretch of highway Roop saw her on. This was about 4.30 a.m., and he said he got on his CB radio after the sighting to warn other truck drivers about a woman walking along the road so that they would be extra careful driving. Now, Roy Blanton and himself is an entire rabbit hole you could go down in this case. He definitely has some skeletons in his closet. But putting a pin in that for a moment, let's focus on the times here. By 4 a.m., Aisha had run into the woods after being spooked by Roop. She made her way to the shed, which would have taken her a bit considering how difficult the terrain was. And then by 4.30, she's back on the road again, walking in the same direction Roop had seen her going, per Blanton's account. If all of this is true, that leaves just under two hours from the last sighting of Aisha to when her mother wakes up and realizes she's missing. That's the window of time we're missing in this case, and the most important. This also relates to the backpack that she was wearing that night. Both Roop and Blanton saw Aisha with her backpack, confirming that wherever she was headed, she had the backpack with her. Now, according to reports made after the initial investigation, the backpack was thought to contain clothing and personal items of Aisha's, including a few different outfits, the Tweety Bird purse, and that candy. What I cannot say for certain is that if Aisha's basketball uniform was included in these items. I've seen it reported both ways, but I think it's important for one reason, the runaway theory. Now, officials in this case do not think Aisha was a runaway in the typical sense. They don't see her as fitting the typical profile of a runaway, and they don't think she just took off without any influence from anyone or anything else. But the theory has been posed that she could have taken off because she was still distraught over fouling out of the basketball game she played that Saturday. It was confirmed that she felt that she was the reason the team had lost, and people wondered if this guilt or shame had been enough to make her want to take off. Losing a basketball game isn't a big deal in a general sense, but Aisha was nine. Maybe she worked herself up over it so much that running away instead of just going back to school had become the only option in her mind. And I bring all this up because if she had packed her basketball uniform in the bag, that to me seems like a pretty strong case for losing the game not being the reason she disappeared. But again, it's still unclear if the uniform was actually in the bag or not. The bag itself is a big point in the first place, though, specifically the question of what the bag was packed for. Was it the sole intention of making this trip that Aisha embarked on that night? If so, that shows pre-planning of her leaving home that night. However, the bag could have been packed for many other reasons beyond the purpose of her leaving the home. One theory I came across that specifically seems to hold a lot of weight is that it may have been packed from the sleepover she had attended the night before. What was thought to be packed in the bag when Aisha left was mostly clothing items, which seems entirely plausible to be in a sleepover bag. It could have been that the bag was left over from the sleepover and she never unpacked it, and when Aisha left on Sunday night, she just grabbed it on her way out. Again, though, we have no confirmation as to exactly every item that was thought to have been in the bag, and only Aisha herself knows with which intent it was packed, whether that was for the sleepover or specifically for the events of February 14th. Now, following the timeline, Aisha's bag was found about a year and a half after she disappeared, buried and wrapped in a trash bag at an excavation site. It was preserved well because of the trash bag, and the positioning and area it was found in led many people to believe it was planted there with the hope that it would be found. 
One of the most compelling things about the backpack being found beyond the location and manner of it turning up was what was inside. After sending the bag and its contents off for testing, authorities confirmed that there were two items in the bag that did not belong to Asia: a New Kids on the Block concert t-shirt and a Dr. Seuss book from Asia's school library. Unfortunately, the test results, if any, were never made public, but I want to look at those two items that didn't belong to her for a moment because I believe some answers could lie there. Now, the book could have been checked out by Asia herself or obtained by her from a classmate who had checked it out, but the t-shirt is different. Her parents said she never went to that concert, and at nine years old, it's not like she'd be going by herself to buy a t-shirt like that on her own or going to a concert. It also could have come from that sleepover. Maybe she got it from a friend and threw it in her bag. It's a strange find for sure, no matter where you think that t-shirt came from, but let's put a pin in this for now because I've got some theories surrounding both of these items that I'd like to circle back to in a bit. The one final concrete update in this case came on May 25th, 2016, when police announced that Asia may have been seen getting into a vehicle the night she disappeared. This tip claimed that Asia was seen getting into a green car that looked like it could be a 1970s Lincoln Mark IV or a Ford Thunderbird, and that there were two other people in the vehicle when she got in. Now, this lead is shaky. It's impossible to confirm whether it was actually Asia getting into this vehicle, but the timing does match up. The sighting took place after Blanton's CB call about seeing Asia and the official last known confirmed sighting of her. And how many nine-year-olds are out in the cold and rain at that hour? Remember, this would have been between 4.30 and 6.15 a.m. on a Monday morning. If this was actually Aisha, it answers a lot of questions about her destination that night and the reason she left home in the first place. And that leads me to the biggest part of this episode, why Aisha left. Now, there are a lot of theories in this case, and if you want to hear about some of the more out-there ones, you can definitely find them on Reddit and different true crime blogs. Like, one of the crazy ones I came across was that Aisha was sleepwalking the whole time and must have been hit by a car or walked into a swimming pool and drowned. Unlikely, if not impossible. But here, I have three theories I will present to you, going in order from least to most likely, in my opinion. And just my normal disclaimer here, all of these are theories and, in my opinion, things that could have plausibly happened. They're not fact. We still don't know what happened to Asia, So don't take them as fact or concrete information. They're just my own theories. Let's go. The first is that she was killed by a family member in the home. So either Harold, Akilla, or O'Brien. Now, I do want to make a point of reminding you that the police cleared all three of them very early on in the investigation. And while some people believe that this was premature, authorities felt that the family had nothing to hide. But this could have happened. I mean, the opportunity was there. But what would the motive have been for any one of them? I don't really think this theory holds that much weight. I tend to agree with police in clearing them after all of my research in this case. The degrees have never stopped searching for Aisha and still do as much as possible to get her story exposure, including media interviews. Akila still hasn't even accepted the fact that Aisha is most likely deceased, saying that she would have been able to feel it if Aisha had passed. In addition to this, the house was torn apart by investigators, dogs brought in, forensic testing done. If she had been killed in the home and taken somewhere else to be disposed of, I have to believe that traces of that would have been found by investigators. So is it possible? Yes, but I still think it's pretty unlikely. 
The second theory, and one that I think definitely could be likely, is that Aisha ran away on her own accord. There's a couple reasons I think she could have done this. One is the basketball loss that I mentioned earlier. To an adult, that one might seem like a silly reason to be so upset, but remember, Aisha's nine. I can think of numerous reasons I got super worked up or worried about something relatively insignificant when I was that age. Maybe the thought of being the reason her team lost weighed so heavily on her that as Monday was approaching, she decided she didn't want to return to school and face her teammates, so she ran away instead. Another reason may have been the book that Aisha's class was reading, and I mentioned this in the first episode. It's called The Whipping Boy. This book is about two protagonists who run away and have a bunch of fun adventures before returning home. Aisha could have been inspired by this book and took off in the night to have some adventures of her own. She may have even planned to return like in the book, but possibly met a sinister fate while she was out there. One other reason I could see Aisha taking off is that something scary or bad was happening in her life behind closed doors that she wanted to get away from. Now, I want to be clear, Aisha was never proven to be the victim of any kind of abuse, and no one in her life came forward to say that there was any indication of abuse or other situations that may have upset or scared her. But at the end of the day, you just never know what's going on. Aisha could have been being bullied or possibly abused, hurt, or scared by someone in her life that her parents, family, or friends didn't know about. Just because there wasn't concrete evidence at the time she disappeared doesn't mean that nothing was happening. And that leads me to my final theory that Aisha was being groomed by an adult in her life and she left home to meet with this person. This is the theory that I believe holds the most weight. If she had been being influenced by an adult that she thought she could trust, one who possibly was abusing her or at least grooming her to be abused, it probably wouldn't have taken much convincing to get her to meet them or to keep any of this a secret from her friends and family. And there is some evidence of this. The money she showed her friends at school and her Tweety Bird purse comes to mind. It's still a mystery where she got that. Also, the photo of the unidentified girl found with Aisha's things in the Turner shed could point to this. Where would Aisha have gotten that photo and could it have been a previous victim of this groomer? There are two avenues I see this one taking. One, Aisha was told to meet this person at a certain location, hence her leaving home and walking in the rain and cold like she knew where she was going. It could even explain the sighting of her getting into the green car, if that was in fact Aisha. But the trouble I see with this one is, why would an adult with a car ask Aisha to meet them miles from her home in the middle of the night with lots of room for her to get lost or hurt on the way when they could have just picked her up from her home or her neighborhood? And that thought leads me to the second avenue and the one I think is most likely the scenario of what happened to Aisha. I think she was being groomed and this adult did set up a plan with her to meet her outside of the home that night. They also probably told her it was a secret so she wouldn't tell anyone. I think she got up, grabbed her bag, and left, locking the door behind her with her key to meet this adult. Where I think it went awry is that at some point shortly after meeting up, Aisha got scared and was able to escape this person. Whether she got out of their car or simply ran away from them, I think she realized that this was a bad situation and got away, leading her to walking on the highway, trying to find her way back home. Only she was never able to make it back and met some sort of sinister fate in trying to get back home. 
at some point she may have gotten into that green car whether that car belonged to the person she was being groomed by or someone else who had offered her a ride but even if that sighting wasn't actually Asia, all the signs here point in the same direction whether at the hands of someone grooming her or at the hands of a stranger i think Asia met a tragic fate the night of february 14th 2000 i think Asia was killed that night and whoever did this is still at large the reason she was drawn out of her home that night seems to be far more convoluted than the fate Asia actually met. It's tragic, and I can only hope that sometime soon there's a forward momentum in the case that pushes it to a resolution. The degrees deserve to know what happened to Asia, and someone somewhere knows something. So thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoyed this episode. All of my source material is listed in the show notes and on the show's website, graceisonthecasepodcast.com, and you can contact me there or through Instagram DM at graceisonthecasepodcast for comments, corrections, or suggestions for future cases. I'll see you all next time for our next case.